Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? Yeah, I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Friday, March the 3rd, it's quarterbacks up on the podium, it's guys actually working out the second day of on-field workouts at the Combine. Sam Monson here, back on the PFF NFL Podcast, along with young Michael Renner, Take my hiding off. His, uh, his credential lest we get in trouble again. Mm. Um, you heard about that, right? That yeah. I almost got arrested at the yeah. Super Bowl? It was a bad time. Because you can't, uh, it was because you can't give away. Like someone could have replicated it, right? And then apparently, it, the- it felt a little bit overkill. I mean, at the the where I lost it was already beyond security. Like everybody theoretically picking it up from there already had credentials. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know these are the perils of of the credential process at the NFL. So we've actually got some on-field workouts to talk about, Mike. We're going to run know. through surprising numbers, surprising performances. We were. Over in the stadium for a little bit yesterday, saw a little bit of that, and then mm-hmm. the rest uh, getting the, the details as they came through. And then quarterbacks were up on the podiums talking for the first time uh, this week. Felt a little bit mean-spirited putting that at 8 a.m. on a Friday of the Combine, but yeah. this is the reality we were dealing with. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make it there, I will be honest, but I did watch <laughs> the drills last night. And to me, you know, I've said before, defensive line, specifically edge, is the position on the NFL football field that you care about those testing numbers the most. You know, I do think it is the most important because it's also a position that like moves the least. That's kind of the most difficult to to really get a whole handle on their exact athletic profile just based off tape because they're going in like five five yard increments every time. So I do think that what we saw last night will actually impact some draft boards and it was very exciting it's also get some numbers but, uh, but i do hate that we don't get full testing numbers on like a lot of these guys they do like one drill and then yeah, they peace out that does suck it's also fascinating because like edge rusher in particular it's such a sort of weirdly dynamic position that no one number yes is going to yes, give yes, you yes, everything yes. which is why the, the kind of composite is is what everybody a lot of people work from but it's also why you get these players that are very frustrating to to work out because their composite is weird. Like they're either very linear or yes. they've got an amazing three cone, but everything else is rough. Or the numbers are wild, but like the jumps are strange. Like, and you have, it's really hard to figure out what to make of players like that. Yeah. So basically, how just like how I look at combine numbers, 
the 40, or more specifically the 10 split, 10 split vert broad, that is, that's explosiveness. Right. Like that's kind of like, you look at those three together, you don't ever like separate those three, that's kind of like what they are in that regard. Then three cone shuttle is your change of direction ability, or your, how you fare in those drills, as you were saying, like the linear edge rushers, they don't even do the three cone because they're not gonna put up something in the high sevens here and you know put a bad number out there. But so there's the change direction, there's the explosiveness, uh, and then obviously uh, the bench and whatnot, I don't really care about, but the 40 is speed. 40 is pretty obviously how fast are you when you open it up wide open. So those are the three ways to kind of bucket those. And then if you are a guy who's a great linear bull rusher and you put up Great explosive times. Well, I don't really care then if your shuttle and cone aren't good. Right. If you're a great, you know, like Aiden Hutchinson was last year, a great change of direction athlete, I don't think you need to be the most explosive guy then uh, off the edge. So I do think there's a lot of ways to win, and knowing how someone wins is key to then digesting their combine data. Okay, before we get too far into this, we've got to tell you about Western Southern. The PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. That's westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. All right, Mike, who stood out to you from the drills yesterday? The, the first guy that stood out from just like everything, frame, testing, and then what he put on in like the actual on-field movement skill drills was Lucas Van Ness. Um, maybe not the guy who got the most hype because, you know, some of his numbers weren't great. 31-inch for 9-10 broad are like This is funny because when we were doing the podcast yesterday, it was sort of late in the day. It was after some of these things had started to come through. And at that point, all we had from Van Ness was, was size and then two underwhelming um, jump numbers. Yeah. You know, like, oh, this, this could be a problem. Like if this guy mm -hmm. shows up and has a bad workout – now you're starting to get the sort of A.J. Epinesa questions and, you know, yes. that kind of thing. So it turned around is what you're saying. But then he goes 4.58 in the 40 at 272 pounds, which is an insane time. One six four ten split at that size is tremendous. So that you watch his tape, and that is him. He gets off the line of scrimmage. Uh, maybe he doesn't get too high up in the air off the line of scrimmage, <laughs> but he gets off it. And then the 7.023 cone and 4.32 shuttle were two of the best times among any edges, and he's not just any edge. He is massive. Again, like 6'5", 272, 34-inch arms, 11-inch hands. The guy looks like Ivan Drago out there with just like from a size perspective. He's, a, he's enormous. Like he is a long, explosive dude that I think those numbers really went to bat for him and how he wins that he can be a player at the next level now. Nice. Um, that's a big part of this is uh, factoring in size when you're doing all these numbers. Yeah. Like there is a difference between moving 230 pounds over yes. a certain speed and a certain distance at, at a certain height and moving 270, 280 pounds at yeah. that kind of size. Like the kind of adjusted, size adjusted speed score or explosiveness is, yeah. is an important thing to, to focus on. Well, that was the other guy that I wanted to highlight here is Ade Adebare, the Northwestern defensive tackle who at 282 pounds, so everyone was focused on Nolan Smith, and we'll get to him, we ran a 4.39, but at um, over 40 pounds heavier than Nolan Smith, he ran a 4.49.40, had a 37.5 inch vertical, a 1.6.1.10 split, and a 10.5 broad jump. That is 
alien stuff. That's the best. That's the most athletic defensive tackle in maybe NFL history from a testing perspective at the at minimum. And the wild thing is, so that's four four nine. I was like debating this last night. How how many pounds of just pure fat <laughs> does he have to gain for his time to not look ridiculous? Still? Yeah, you know, like because because put you know. 30 pounds on this guy. Well, like, he still has to run like a 4'6 something, right? Like, yeah. And he'd be 3'10 then. Like, everybody's losing their mind that Kalijah Kansi runs a 4'6'7, beats Aaron Donald, yeah. you know, and, and all those. And those are two of the fastest, most ridiculous numbers we've ever seen. At, you know, 281, was that what yeah. Kansi weighed in at? Same kind of area for Aaron Donald back, back when he did it. You're talking about a guy that shaved another two tenths of a second basically off that. Like, he could put on a lot of fat and still. Yeah. Maybe not be Kansi, but be most other defensive tackles. Yeah, like he, I, I'm just very curious, and, and I think that's why you're seeing him work out on the interior after playing at. So he he was an edge guy. So that's what I was going to ask. Mainly, right at Northwestern, but like that size, that explosiveness, I, I on the interior can be a big, big problem. Has it, but he does have to probably gain ten to fifteen more pounds. Has Aaron Donald to you sort of changed the way NFL teams potentially look at these guys that are 280, 285 and think, we can play him inside? Like, we, we've reached the point now in the league where you can isolate a guy mm-hmm. on one gap. You don't have to worry about double teams as much. Um, everybody's not pounding the ball right up the middle, you know, duo blocks constantly. You can get by at that size if you're good enough as a, a pass rusher and a penetrator. Like, forget yeah. rushing the passer. Simply play the game in the backfield. Yeah, I... I I still think that's very much defense coordinator dependent, right? Like some DCs believe in that. Some are vehemently not going to and wouldn't even give out of RA or Clyde Cansey you know, two undersized DCs. Right. They, they wouldn't even care. They're just off the – maybe not off the board, but they're like third-round grades because they're just not going to fit their scheme. So uh, the ones that they are going to fit their scheme, though, they, they are going to be problems. The ones that allow these guys to just get upfield, which, you know, out of did not kind of have that – was not afforded that Northwestern, whereas Kansi definitely was at Pittsburgh. The defenses that allow those guys to do that, these are two guys you want. They're two guys you want. So let's talk about Nolan Smith because he's the guy that's going to yes. get a ton of the, the focus, the, the numbers that he put up, the uh-huh. kind of crazy um, workout. What do you make of him? And it wasn't only – he's the biggest – he's one of the biggest riders here, not only for, like, what he put on numbers-wise. It was 4 3 9 one five two ten split forty one and a half inch vertical ten eight broad jump at six two two thirty eight. So like, what is the mo- so? First of all, what's the most impressive number from his thing to you? Because um, to me, it's the one five ten two split. ten yeah. split, That's which is madness. Split. Yes, that that is right up there. That that's as fast. That's a wide receiver. It's a full tenth faster than like the sort of average of elite numbers for edge rushers, and a tenth when you're talking at a ten yard split is a crazy amount of time. I mean, I guarantee there are all pro corners. I haven't done any research, but there are all pro corners, all pro wide receivers that don't have ten splits. Yes, right now in the NFL. So insane get off, and that you saw on tape. But then like at the podium, the guy was intense. Like the guy loves football. He is going to do whatever it takes to play football and talked about you know being the winner overall recruit but then buying in at georgia and like you see it on his tape like really backing it up the fact that like at that size he's one of the best run defenders in this draft class at 238 because of the want to because he wants to be one of the best run defenders in this draft class so yeah this is a guy that i think coaches are gonna fall in love with the more they talk to and expect him to go higher than i think we've seen in mock drafts being like a fringe back end first rounder that's 
he's going up. He, yeah. He's getting drafted higher than that. If it was choreographed, it was masterful, but I don't think, I think it, it was. was where yeah. he he was pissed on the broadcast after he ran his 40s because they were showing up as unofficial 4-4s. Yes. And he was like, I know I can run the 4-3s. I've yes. been training 4-3s. He was on the phone to whoever his trainer was or whatever. The guy was mad. And then it came up the official time, 4 3 9, so yeah. he just got into the 4 3s. Like, if that was for the cameras, it was genius. I don't think it was, though. Like, we're talking about a guy who's this athletic and this explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me, though, about the size. Because ultimately, we're talking 6 2, 230 something pounds, uh-huh. which is. It's at the edges of the extremes, right? It's mm-hmm. it's smaller than Hassan Reddick, who was yeah. a problem when he came out size-wise to the point where they tried to make him a linebacker. Yeah. Like, how much is that going to affect? And how much is the year that Hassan Reddick just had mm-hmm. actually going to benefit a guy like Nolan Smith? I think it is going to benefit him. I think the, just seeing proof of concepts are always helpful for NFL evaluators. Immediate ones as well. Yes. Like, this yeah. happened this year. It's directly yeah. applicable to this guy. That can't hurt. And we've talked to Brandon. We talked to Brandon Staley earlier this week, and the last time I talked to him when he was on the pod, he says, like, they have comps of guys in the NFL for uh, everything, for each position that they, like, here's, like, the gold standard. So teams that want that, like, rush edge, like, the speed edge, Hassan Reddick's the gold standard and looks just like Nolan Smith, you know? So I think a lot of teams are going to be seeing that and being like, oh, that's a guy who we can, one of the best defenses in the NFL can find a role from, so can we. So uh, Nolan Smith with those numbers, you know, at 238, that's that's what you want to see if you think a guy can get by 238 pounds off the edge. He has to test like this. We've talked about kind of the curve where it's like you're undersized, you better be up here from a testing level, you better be at the tippy top. If you're massive, you can be, you know, more in the average range. But if you are undersized, it better be at the tip top. And if you're not, I don't want anything to do with you. Well, Noel Smith's like as good as you've ever seen explosive numbers right there. And it's another one of those things where I think um, when you start looking for reasons now to validate a guy, like before maybe you were looking for reasons to knock him. He's 238 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. This is why. This is why. Here are the problems. Now all of a sudden you're going, okay, he's 238, but he just ran a 4-3, 1-5 split. He literally maxed out the vertical jump. He, all of the, the pegs, yeah. all of them. He maxed out the vert, um, almost an 11-foot broad jump. Now you're going, well, all right, now let's look for some reasons to validate him. And suddenly you start going back to that number one overall recruit thing and going, see, this is a guy that's had pedigree the whole way. Like it, All of a sudden it becomes another like reason to draft the guy high. Yes, and it's what we just said about Abara. It's like 20 pounds on that guy he's still running what a four or five like he's still putting up nasty numbers so uh not to say i'd put any bad weight on but like this guy no matter what he's gonna play at it's gonna be an absolute freak by the way i would be remiss to uh let yesterday pass without pointing out that there were multiple defensive linemen yesterday that ran slower than i did in jeans and a sweatshirt Mm -hmm. Uh, granted they were carrying yeah, let's get some weights. A on little these guys. bit more weight than I was. So you have Siaki Ika yeah. at a five three nine. Uh-huh. Does he, he outweigh me by me? Is he two of me? He is three thirty five. Almost. Almost yeah. two of you. We had PJ Mustafer, only three twenty. So okay. your speed score compared to PJ's speed score, not too dissimilar. But look, I think those were, were the only two. They were out there in you know the lycra, whatever the stuff that the no bull get up yeah. this year and and cleats. And you were doing it in jeans. That's what I'm saying, and and just whatever these things are, like you know sneakers. <laughs> I'm saying that's got to be worth at least you know five tenths of a second. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know what you got to do now. You got to put on 160 pounds. <laughs> 
and you got to test here next year. You got to gain a lot of weight this so year. We so we do the, uh, yeah, we do your experiment of see, just see how much fat yeah, I can exactly. pile on over the next <laughs> year and then see what the 40 is. I just wanted to make that point. Yeah. Um, so who else stood out for workout numbers, Mike? Well, I mean, Clyde, you can't see four, six, seven. Yes. Great number. Didn't do anything else, but yeah. does he really need to? You can see on tape. But I, I want to go to the linebackers now. Um, That's only, by the way, going to make the Aaron Donald comps worse oh, yeah. from oh, here on is. in. It really is. But, but the thing was, under 31-inch arms, Aaron Donald has almost 33-inch arms at the same height. Like, that's the difference between those two. Aaron Donald, much stronger, much longer. Clyde Kansi is just speed. Like, he's just quick, which it gets, becomes more difficult at the NFL level to win with just that. But you, he, the way he tested, yeah. like, that explosiveness, he was, uh, that's tough to deal with. He was one of the few guys to show up and measure bigger than his list weight. Not bigger yes, weight-wise, yeah. but he was taller. Heider. Heider. He was 6'1". Never He was happens. supposed to only be 6 foot. I cannot remember the last time I saw it happen. Right. But, a few linebackers I want to hit on that I thought really Let's upped go. their draft stock. One is Dorian Williams, two-lane linebacker, 228. So he's already on the undersize. He's right at that back end of the PFF top 100, but he went 449, 33-and-a-half-inch for a 10-foot broad. Like, that is speed that you want to see when you are going to be a little bit on the smaller side. But he's got a unique frame, too, 6-foot, 10-inch wingspan at 6-foot-1, 33-and-three-quarters-inch arms. So, you know, short but really long, really still able to affect windows in the passing game. I think he's a guy who hasn't gotten talked about a ton, but I think you'll see more in the day two conversation as we go forward. What do you think this linebacker class is like overall? We haven't gotten to that part yet in the Off generally PFF. Poop. Poop. <laughs> Trash. Whatever you want to say. You know, it's, it's one of the worst I've uh, scouted. I think go back, going back, back to like 2015, when we first did this, I'm trying to think of the worst one, but there's just not a guy I'd go to bat in the first round. Two guys I would even call second rounders at this point. It's Are you noticing any trends when it comes to linebacker as a position in college coming through to the NFL? Because one thing that stood out to me earlier in the week when the linebackers were up on the podiums and doing all that kind of stuff, they're all tiny. They're, yeah. they're thin. They look like yeah. DBs out there. Like there's nobody... You used to be able to sort of basically pick the linebackers and the tight ends just from like a glance, right? They're mm-hmm. huge. They're the guys that sort of look like superheroes. And then now tight ends are still like that. They're still monstrous. But the linebackers have become like a totally different body shape. Yeah, a lot of sub-230 guys, which they're more often than not fool's gold at the NFL level. I think a lot of the short guys, you're seeing the struggles, especially in these light boxes in the running game and what they have to do that I think guys like Jack Campbell in this draft class are going to get drafted higher than maybe a lot might think because of that because he's one of the few which is like actual LB, middle linebacker, Mike linebacker size that can stack blocks and play in the run game at the NFL level. And so I think he helped himself a ton. Now, didn't run the greatest 40, 4, 6, 5. That's never his game, but like six seven three three cone. Or excuse me, six seven four three comb, thirty-seven half inch for ten eight broad. Good explosive numbers, maybe not the best speed, but good explosive numbers and great change of direction ability. That's that's a guy. That's a guy who, you know, had the Logan Wilson was his draft comp, Wyoming linebacker, former Wyoming linebacker, Rip Wilson, Bengals linebacker. That's 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 how he tested the subject Hamilton. So I think that's a, I think he's one of the safest linebackers in this class, and I'd be hard pressed to see him fall too far out of the top fifty. 
Is there anything to that sort of weird change in linebacker types, linebacker uh, class strength, or if we just hit a bad, just a random lull of talent, or are these guys now getting funneled to different positions earlier in you know their football careers? I think this is kind of random because last year's class was really deep, I thought, and really talented. Um, so I think it's kind of just a random lull, but I do think that it's a position that there's just not as many. You know, like you're getting two on a collegiate field, if not one, more often than not. So there's just not a lot of guys playing that position more, you know, the guys who come into college now who are 205, 210 in high school are playing like the slot, right. you know, at the collegiate level. Um, anyone else you want to hit on before we start talking about the quarterbacks and what they were uh, saying at the podiums? Eh, there was not anyone else that really stood out to me that's worthwhile that I have a great take on. But, you know, like guys like Trent Simpson, there were a lot of guys that, like, checked that box that I knew were athletic, whether it's Isaiah Foskey, Trent Simpson, Derek Hall. They all showed up, did what they needed to do, got out of there. What about the other end of the spectrum? Was there anyone that you looked at who had crappy workout numbers and you think, okay, that's, that, that hurt, that didn't help them? Yes, the one guy who really stood out, and I apologize to Dave Safaro in, in advance here, is Mike Morris, the Michigan defensive end. One, he shows up almost like 20 pounds lighter than what he was listed at. So listed at over 290, 295, comes in at 275. Then runs a 495 with a 172 10 split, which is, you know, we just talked about yeah, almost nearly five, a tenth dude. of a second slower than what Lucas Van Ness did at the same size. 28 and a half inch vert, 92 broad, explosive numbers are awful. Size isn't, size isn't what you expected. And then arm length, only 33 and a half. Like, that's at his size over 6'5". That's not very long. So, tape's great. Tape, very good. But that's a profile, athletic profile, that's like go back and watch again. Worrying. And, and get worried. Yeah. Because that's not a high-end profile that can – that usually translates to high-end production at the NFL. And that's – like, that's what we're talking about when it comes to the combine is thresholds, red flags, something yeah. that sends you back to check – were you right on a guy? We thought this about a guy. The numbers come up. They're totally different to what we expected. Now we got to go and dig into this and figure out why that happened. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's one where it's like you don't have to in, – in a defensive end class with – there's a lot of talent. You just like – you don't have to take that chance. You know, you don't have to take it highly. You can wait to take chances on guys like that. Uh, so it's unfortunate for him. But it's definitely going to push him down the boards. Anyone else that didn't help themselves with their workout? Um, not anyone that really stands out to me. I know Brenton Cox is not super high on a lot of boards after he got you know, dismissed from Iowa, or excuse me, from Florida, but didn't help himself. I don't think uh, Noah Sewell helped himself a ton. Build as kind of you know Penny Sewell's brother, mm. thinking he's a freak, was anything but. Pretty much like not a freak actually. Four six four. 33-inch vert, 9.7 broad jump. Now his 10 split was good, 1.57, but that's a concerning profile for a guy who was billed as, you know, you know, whose selling point is that athleticism, the power he brings to the table. He, Not great. Yeah, he, like, I mean, I don't know what to make of this necessarily, but when you see how many of these linebackers are cut up, really lean, you know, no mm -hmm. body fat whatsoever, he was carrying some noticeable pounds yes. around the midriff. Yeah, it is one where it's like, He's not. He's. He could be 228. Yeah. Like he, he probably has the same amount of body fat or muscle mass as like a Diane Henley, just 
there's a lot of fat there. Right. It's, and that, yeah. like, linebacker, maybe in, back in the day, you got some linebackers who were carrying some extra weight around the middle. Like, mm-hmm. again, like linebackers now, those are running positions. These are lightweight guys. They're thin. They're lean. They're cut. Yeah. He's not. And he's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. This was quarterback day at the uh, the podiums. The largest crowd of the week at the podium was in front of Bryce Young. The biggest, the biggest crowd previous to that was the crowd in front of the empty podium that Jalen Carter was <laughs> not going to be at, yeah. just on the off chance people were dumb enough to put him out there in front of the cameras. Um, but this 15 minutes before he was supposed to be up there, it was absolutely packed. It was madness. Um, everyone out there to hear him say absolutely nothing. <laughs> like textbook Alabama media coach, just happy to be here, excited for the opportunities. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, and that's what you expect. Right? <laughs> I don't know what people go in there expecting. They're trying to just get like their one quote for their one article that they're writing, but none of these guys are going to go. No one asked any like thing even remotely trying to get like football insight, fo- football acumen from these guys. No. And then their answer is obviously then reflect that. So. I will say there was one guy who kept shouting out have you met with the Bears yet? Which, if it was a bit, was hilarious. If it wasn't a bit, it was also hilarious, but for a totally different reason. Uh, um, and then the other guy that was my favorite in the crowd was, you know, so the crowd is a lot of people that aren't particularly tall. And, you know, the, the phones have got to be up here above your head to try and get anything. Um, and that's what, you know, everybody's got the phones up. But then you get the guy that comes up with the camera iPad, Right. And the phone where his questions are written. So the both hands are up here, one of which contains like a full-size iPad to try and video this thing. And the other contains like his paragraph-long questions. And you're like, this this kind of feels like, you know, you get like a, a grandfather or his, his phone needs, you get those simplified phones yeah. that have like four buttons on them. It's kind of what That's this what felt like. I, I thank God that I've never had to be that guy in a <laughs> podium session that has to... You know, record everything that I'm there yeah. to do. Yeah. But certainly, if you're going to do it, you can't. Can't, can't, can't bring the iPad. You can't. You just can't be that guy. Um, it's like your grandpa at a wedding. But obviously, the big thing that everyone was focusing on was, all right, this is the first time you get to see the guy. You know, right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Right. How big is he? How big was he? He was small. Yeah, he's small. Small. I mean, look, I didn't get an official measurement on him, but like, Hurry here I, I've been, I've been working the whole way on the basis that he's probably 5'10", 180-something, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes him, both in height and weight, my size-ish. I'm 5'11", 180. He's yeah. basically my yeah. size. And I think, having seen him from like six feet away, that's kind of what we're talking about. He's my size. And the difference between him standing there and then C.J. Stroud was at the next, the, the same podium the next time. Yeah. Anthony Richardson was at the same podium a little bit after. And we're like going up the scale where it's like cell phone mm-hmm. coverage. And then over on the far side, Tanner McKee, Tanner McKee was He's there. Enormous. He's I so have a tall. photograph of, so they have these microphone stands like these ones, right? Yeah. Where it's, it's a fixed height. It sits there on the podium, doesn't move. Mm-hmm. And Bryce Young is sitting there, and it's like this. It's like just under his chin. That's where Bryce Young was, the microphone was coming yeah. up to on him. Tanner McKee, it's like the it's belly. Really it's like midway up his, his chest. And apparently somebody asked McKee, like, what's the difference between you and these other quarterbacks out there? And he was like, well, I'm 6'6", 240. So, you know, about six inches, basically. It was it, My word's not his, but that was his answer. Yeah. So I think it's a pretty good one. Every picture of McKee, you're just – the first thing that stands out, you're like, holy, like he's like tall. <laughs> like he might be taller than 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. I mean, he may come in here. He probably last, probably hasn't measured his height in a while. He might be six. Like he's a 
big, big dude. I'd say. No, he was huge, and like I, that's going to happen to some team, right? Is they're they're going to be sitting there. They run through these interviews. These guys come in. They get their 15 minutes, whatever. And there's going to be a sequence for somebody when Bryce Young comes in for his 15 minutes, mm-hmm. exits the door, and either Tanner McKee or Anthony Richardson or Will Levis comes in next, and you're going to go, no, it can't happen. Can't, can't do it. It's basically the picture of Aaron Judge on second base next to Jose Otuve or the Dion Lewis next to Derrick Henry pick. Right. It's that pick. Yeah, yeah, And you're yeah. like, it, we just can't do this. Not with number one overall. Not with number two. I can't I can't yeah. do it. I can't sign off on that. I have to take the guy that's normal size. Yeah. No, I, I like the guy. Short Kings. It's our, it's our year. So, Bryce Young basically said nothing whatsoever. At the other end of the scale, Anthony Richardson was, was saying the same things that the other crazy things that have been said about him all the way along have been. Like, Somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody had this comp that Anthony Richardson is a meld of Cam Newton and Justin Fields, right? That's, it. That's Anthony Richardson's and, comp for himself. Right, and people were like, what does that even mean? Well, apparently Anthony Richardson has been calling himself a blend of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson, Cam Jackson. since when was it? Since the 11th grade. Mm-hmm. So whatever hyperbole you want to use about him, he's apparently using it for himself anyway. Doesn't lack confidence, which is always a good thing, right? You, you don't want the guy going up there giving timid answers to questions like that. You want a guy who owns it and... Richardson, if you tick that box, tick that box. So how out of control do you think the hype is going to get for this guy? Because we're getting a lot of number one overall buzz now. I disagree. I, I don't think that's going to ever materialize. That, that was a that was a one mock draft <laughs> that then like spurred a conversation that caught like wildfire because it was so polarizing that that's all you saw for a while because everyone wanted to talk about it. But there's to me that's not it wasn't actual buzz. I it's it's just he's not going number one. Just, he's not going number one. It just, will not believe it until I see it. And I don't think he's going quarterback two either. I think he's firmly going to be either quarterback three or quarterback four. Off really? Yeah. Don't you think though that there's enough um, enough elements to his game that people could talk themselves into it, and enough recent evidence of people putting together the toolsy quarterback to create something special. Like the Josh Allen thing mm-hmm. of we called him an Ikea quarterback back at the time, yeah. right? It's, there's, there's this box of tools. Everything is there for you to create this amazing quarterback. Yeah. You're going to have to figure out how it all goes together. But if you can do that, you end up with something special. And Buffalo nailed it. They absolutely did that. Yeah. It's kind of what I feel about Richardson. Like it's there, but you need to craft it. Yeah, Brian Dable, craftsman. Um Craftsman. I kind of agree. I mean, it definitely, definitely is. Like, there, there's, that's why I'm like comfortable with him in the top ten, and why there's like more good than bad. But it's just, it is so far away, and it is so unprecedented to get, you know, what to do what Josh Allen did that banking yeah. on it happening again. So such a long shot. Now I do think there's, you know, pass for Richardson success that don't look like him turning into you know an all pro passer. Sure, but I do, I. I do think that Bryce Young's game, Will Levis' game, CJ Stroud's like those are good quarterback prospects too. I think it's a very good quarterback class. So to take that big swing, it's like, well, those other three guys can turn into something special too. It's, you're not passing up on guys who don't have high-end type abilities. It is a good quarterback class, but it feels to me like the other guys have something scary about them yes. in a yeah, way yeah. that like if you – 
there's more reason this year, I feel, to kind of gravitate to the Anthony Richardson and say, all right, okay. this is terrifying. It's obviously a huge project to put together. Mm-hmm. You know, we, it, there's a pathway where he becomes Josh Allen. Um, it's, it's, it's a huge gamble, but yeah. the alternative is taking a gamble on a guy that's 5'10", 185, Um, taking a gamble that C.J. Stroud is the guy that played against Georgia, not the guy that played against most of the other teams, Mm -hmm. taking a chance that Will Levis goes back a year, you know, sorts his kind of issues with decision-making out and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It feels like the the negative, the, the scare factor for the other quarterbacks is bigger than it is in some other years. So I can can talk myself into him being QB2 off this board, but I go back to last year's class where everyone I talked to hated the quarterback class. Everyone I trust with quarterback valuations like, no, none of these guys are great. Right. This year, everyone I've talked to who I trust about quarterback valuation is like, Bryce Young's awesome. At that point, like Bryce Young's different. At that point, the NFL is going to agree. You know, like if, if everyone you talk to you trust, like the NFL teams are seeing the same stuff and they have the same sort of like ideas about height. But I think it's going to gravitate towards the opinion's going to go to Bryce Young QB1. So you think when it's all that, said and done that this hysteria about his size is simply going in, to blow over and they're going to get like over it? Something that you just have to talk about. Yeah. That teams aren't are willing to put by the wayside based off of just how good he is. Because the kind of narrative yeah. has been not even so much like we, like each individual analyst or evaluator is scared of his size. It's like... The NFL, like that bunch of dinosaurs that yeah. wants the cookie cutter, prototypical height mm-hmm. weight, they're going to be terrified of that size. They're going to look at it and go, can't have that, can't make yeah. it happen. But you think actually when all said and done, that's yeah. not going to materialize. I, and I think it's going to take, you know, one conversation with Nick Saban, right? It's like Nick Saban, ask him thoughts on Bryce Young and who he is as quarterback and if he's going to be a franchise guy. Yeah. And I think you'll get a pretty strong answer from him. And that's if, you, if you're a coach that isn't going to trust that, Based off of, you know, obviously his track record, I, I think you're overthinking it. And that's why I think ultimately cooler heads will prevail and he goes number one. Another quote from Anthony Richardson, by the way, again, <laughs> doesn't lack in confidence. Quote, I want to be a legend. I want to be like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. So, yeah, really setting it out there. It's a blend of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson who wants to end up with a legacy. The stats of Mahomes Like and Mahomes Brady. and Brady. Yeah. It's certainly, it's ambitious, put it that way. <laughs> he, he at least knows... Where to start? You know, he has a good aiming point. Yeah. His, his gun is fired. Or I shouldn't make <laughs> but it's pointed in the right direction. Right. Yeah, yeah. Say. Um, so the other position group that was up there on the podiums today was wide receivers. Obviously, they didn't get as much focus on the basis that everybody was zeroed in at the quarterback. Yeah. Poor old uh, Rasheed Rice from uh, SMU, right, was the podium very next to Bryce Young. Looked like he was drawing a crowd, but unfortunately it was <laughs> kind of like the yeah, it was like the auxiliary press box for the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. everybody was just overspill from the Bryce Young podium. Um, I caught a little bit here or there of a couple of those guys. One thing I I found really interesting. I want to talk about this player a little bit. Was Jackson Smith and Jigba was asked, you know, whose tape do you watch? Blah blah, all that kind of stuff. And he kind of gave a few guys. Uh, but the thing that was really interesting to me is he said. What he loves about watching Stefan Diggs tape is every move Stefan Diggs makes is exaggerated to sell it, to oversell yeah. it. So any head fake he has, not just like a little head nod, it's like full, yeah. you know, exaggerated head turn to, to get people to bite on something differently. And I think that might go some way towards explaining why I found JSN a very unusual style player to watch. Like his movements are not prototypical they're, they're slightly weird they're slightly exaggerated even his running 
like arms are flailing kind of everywhere. I, I'm wondering how much of that is conscious and how much of that is he's just a weird athlete who happens to like Stephon Diggs. Well, I was going to say, I, I think there is something about the receiver position that guys that have a unique way of running. Um, Jackson the Jigba definitely would fit into that kind of like a shuffler. Kind of runs like Devontae Adams runs. Yeah. Devontae has like a, a unique shuffle to him that's not a sprinter's gait. Guys that have a different running style make it more difficult for corners, defensive backs, to basically like key on those movements and when they're unnatural because it all looks kind of unnatural, right? Yeah. Like it, it all looks kind of weird the way he's running and then a, a, a large you know, head fake, as you were mentioning, like that really sells it because you're kind of off balance to begin with. So I do... I would tend to agree with that, and it's something that's, I think, truthfully in his favor. Well, I think the most, like, the, the best maybe example of that I can think of was, remember Stevie Johnson from the yes. Buffalo Bills? His entire movement pattern was weird. His route running was odd. It didn't make sense. Now, it sounded like a lot of it was kind of ad-libbed, which didn't necessarily <laughs> help, but, like, he was the guy that gave Darrell Rivas the biggest problems of anybody he faced because you couldn't read him. You it's didn't scary. know what he was doing based off how he was moving around, whereas... You know, as difficult as it was to cover Randy Moss, you knew what he was doing. Like, you could at least figure out where we, where we were going, what we needed to cover. Yeah. The problem with Stevie Johnson is you had no idea where he was going to end up at the end of what he was doing. Yeah, and compare that to, I guess in this class, Quentin Johnston doesn't have much of a different gait. He's got much more of a high right. knee sprinter running There's nothing covert about what he's and doing. he's not nearly as much of a salesman in his routes, somewhat because of it. So, um... How do you project Jackson Smith and Jigba? Because we've got a guy who 90% of his time is spent in the slot. He, he's obviously got those sort of weird career of monstrous season in the slot in the same offense as Chris Olave, as Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. We then almost misses the entirety of next year with uh, the hamstring injury that lingered the entire season. So kind of small sample size in a limited role with a weird movement pattern. He feels to me watching him like a guy that can play outside he's going to get labeled as the slot only guy maybe a z receiver that needs to be off the line of scrimmage but his releases are sound he's got good footwork i feel like he can win against press coverage on the outside and maybe even be a not a better player because it's not like he was he was dominant in the slot role but like a more threatening player in more ways in the nfl than he was in college yeah i i don't think he's just slot like i I, there's some guys who Usually it's because of catch rate. It's usually just because of size where it's like, okay, that, you're not playing them on the outside. Um, I, I think there's routes and things you can do on the outside. It, it's just where is he probably most effective? Well, it's short area quicks, short area route running, that, that easy separation at his route breaks that other guys can't create. So you'd want him to go to an 11 heavy personnel team, but it's not like he's not like Cole Beasley where once you have two wide receivers on the field, he's got to come off. You right. know, once there's no slot roll, he's off the field. No, he could probably still be that number two. It's just that's not what you're drafting him for entirely. No, I mean, I, I yeah, you're definitely not drafting him with the idea that he's your ex receiver and your yeah. number one option in the offense. But I kind of feel like he's a guy a little bit like Garrett Wilson who can line up all over the formation, mm-hmm. be anywhere in that. Like, you know, Wilson was the guy that was in the slot and then got kicked outside because JSN came along and it's like we, we, we're going to put him there. I sort of feel like he can have the same effect, like move him all around the formation, play him wherever you need yeah. to play him on any given play, any given offensive personnel package, any given alignment, and he'll win everywhere. You know where I'd really love to see him go? And now he may not make it there, but if I was this team, I'd even be willing to pull the trigger to move up a little. But it's the Minnesota Vikings. Oh. I, I think 
with Justin Jefferson and what he commands yes. and how teams were so willing, you know, more so than any other receiver in the NFL last year, to bracket, double, put attention his way. Well, if you get a one-on-one with Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's probably going to win those routes pretty consistently. And they use a lot of 11 personnel, uh, obviously with Kevin O'Connell now. So that's a scenario where you have a guy who's two now, guys who can win pretty much at will. One, obviously, not as the same route tree as the other, but that gives you a lot of flexibility if you're Kirk Cousins where you don't have to be throwing some of those prayers up to Justin Jefferson anymore. I would love that. I mean, I, I yeah. saw them in a mock um, have Jordan Addison. I like that fit for them as well. I think Smith and Jigba would be a great Either fit of those two well. I think is your ideal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's pretty much it for us at the Combine this week. The, uh, the drill is going to be going on for a couple of days. We are decamping back to sunny Cincinnati, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not sunny. It's no, rainy. it's not sunny at all. It's, in fact, pissing rain right now outside here and presumably for the entire duration of the journey back but we will be back hopefully uh steve i think is going to be back on monday and uh we'll talk to you then